Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Australian Business Podcast. Daniel. Jordan. How are you feeling? We're back again. Fantastic. Round love, two. Love coming back. It's a bit different from our day-to-day accounting roles. Yeah. So it's great to um, branch out and do something different. For sure. For sure. Today, we're doing our favorite thing, which is answering questions from our listeners. And today, we've got some good ones. If any of you have any questions, hit the ask a question button on the podcast player. Any business-related questions, marketing, sales, finance, anything, please send away. So our first question for the day is we might break this down into a couple because it's quite meaty. Um, Crafty Critter, I'm looking to buy a paper craft business. They have, they have a structure where the company is a trustee of a family trust. They are not looking to sell the company, just the business and the three relevant business names. Can you explain the process of buying the business and not the company? Also, I am wondering what to look for in the financials as they have, in brackets, logically, been minimizing profit. Surely not. But how do I find the red flags? So back to the first part. The the crafty creditor is looking at buying the business, not the company. So do you want to just explain, Daniel, what that means exactly? Yeah, so there's generally two options when there's a, the business has been operating. There's obviously the structure that it's operating in. So in this scenario, it looks like it's a trading trust with a corporate trustee, just off the the one sentence we're working off. So generally speaking, I'd probably say 90 to 95% of business purchases, you purchase a business and its assets itself, whether it's the name, the equipment, the stock, the lease. So more or less everything that comes along with the business, you buy it and then you operate it out of your own call it entity, whatever your structure may be. That is always our recommendation, generally the cleanest option, um, purely from a basis of that you run this entity. There's no real skeletons from a compliance or a, or a legal perspective. And I guess if, if Crafty Critter or someone else was to buy a business and buy the actual shares, what are some of the negatives that can come of that? Well, generally speaking, it's you're, you're taking over a company, right? Meaning that, you know, if five years ago there was unfavorable um, things that are occurred, call them things, any type of risk, whether it's um, claiming things that they shouldn't be claiming, um, incorrectly recording income, even from like a from a tax perspective, sort of over-claiming and, and under-reporting, you as the new director are liable for that mm-hmm. for a period of time that you aren't even in control. You have no idea. You're not going to really go back that far and, and cross-check everything. So you're, you're just more or less taking on quite a lot of risk, in my opinion. Um, and generally speaking, you want to be in control. You know, when you, when you go into business, a lot, of, a lot of the pros comes down to the freedom and control you have in your own operations. Buying a company or, or an entity in itself, you're, you're just creating additional risks for no, for no real benefit. Um, you know, capital gains tax might be an option where you're sort of increasing your cost base so that if you were going to sell at a later point in time, your cost base is a little bit higher. 
but again, there's there's different you know rulings in in place like small business sort of rollovers that are that are available to help with capital gains tax down the line anyway. So, I, I if I'm personally talking, I've only ever done this once. Mm-hmm. I've only actually seen a client buy an to entity. take on the actual entity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've only ever seen it once, and the sole reason of that was that the purchase was at such a discount mm. that you'd almost would have been rude not to buy it, if mm. that makes sense. Um, in terms of why someone would do it, it's very hard for me to come up with decent reasoning because I, I just don't see any pros in doing that. Yeah, for sure. And I think in, in this question here as well, um, Crafty Critters mentioned that just the business and the three relevant business names. So do you want to just explain how those business names and the actual entity itself are different? So you can still uh, purchase the business and the business name and assets um, and how you would attach that to your own company that you'd set up if you were to go ahead and purchase it? Yeah, of course. So the actual business names, you can purchase and more or less attach to any ABN. Mm. So your actual trading entity doesn't have to be called, you know, Crafty Critter, PTY LTD, and you have to name your shop Crafty Mm. Critter. You can more or less name anything so crafty trading mm. investments holdings wh- whatever sort of name that you're, you're comfortable with and then attach these you can buy business names separately so you go through the abr the australian business registry you can buy business names and attach it to abns and they're transferable so once you've got that business name it's more or less locked in with you so as part of the purchase you want to be purchasing those business names which will then be transferred over to your new abn or your new entity which would be our recommendation and that's as simple as lodging an asic form and then you've now attached those these in this example the three business names to your new company or trust or whatever the structure is you're going to use it's an easy process when you do it right i've seen a lot of business names get messed around and and put to wrong entities when when you do it yourself um i would generally recommend speaking to your advisor or speaking to an accountant to help you with this process because this it is very simple once you know how to do it, um, and it's it's not an expensive or long exercise either. So mm. that's something I would easily outsource to someone yeah. to, to help you with. There's no point in wasting your valuable time in, in doing stuff like that. For sure. And in terms of the the process of buying the business and not the company, I know we've we've gone through it. Um, what what could be I guess maybe some of the negatives? Are there any negatives if you're going to be setting up your own entity? So in terms of negatives of setting up your own entity, no. Um, you know, you want to call it the setup cost of it, but I, I don't see that as a negative mm. in itself. Um, I like to see structuring as an almost insurance policy to put yourself into a position where you're maximising what you can get out of your situation, right? In terms of sort of like other negatives that, that come along with it, there's, not, there's none really. Um, there's obviously risks in buying businesses and especially buying existing businesses because you haven't got them to the position that they are right so one it's are you buying what you're actually buying is what's being advertised true and correct you know are you buying a business that turns over five million dollars with 20 percent profit margin because it's very easy to show that in the financials yeah it's really important to more or less assess what you're actually buying and align the purchase price with the product and that's like anything you know whether you're buying the house and there's obviously a due diligence process that comes with that and i heard someone i heard someone to say this and it was sort of like you wouldn't buy a house just by looking at it from the outside mm. you want to go inside you want to see the foundation the bones you want to see what state everything is in yep. you know you might need to do a renovation on a kitchen you might need to do a new paint just to 
you know, spruce it up on the inside. Businesses are the exact same way. Mm. You know, if someone's been operating for 30 years, there is some age within that business, whether their digital marketing's not up to date, whether their websites are behind schedule, yep. whether their products haven't been updated to in line with, with trends. And that's what you want to find yeah. within a business because you, you're seeing the opportunity for growth. You want to buy something that can grow. You don't want to buy something as is and continue it. So for that sure. due diligence process is so important. For sure. And I guess that's part three of this question. Um, what are we looking for when we're doing a due diligence? And we do do quite a few of these. Um, and it's interesting here that it says logically been minimizing profit. And it's just so true because it's, yes, people are recording their financial statements uh, properly, but there is nine times out of 10, there's some personal expenses that are tied into it. Whether it's cars, if they're doing um, if they've got cars in the business, yes, they may be running FBT. But again, that's, that's a personal asset. That's a, a, sorry, not a personal asset, but there's a portion of that that's personal. So what are we doing when we're jumping in and we're doing due diligences and how do we identify these red flags that come up in the businesses? The first red flag that I notice is that if there's pushback on a document request, mm, yeah. right? That's red flag number one. And you, you see it a lot. You know, Even if you want to see a, a bank statement verifying the bank balance in your balance sheet, Right, because rather than looking at it that they've logically been minimizing profit, what I would be looking for is have they been maximizing profit mm. to create a asset that's worth higher than what you're looking at, mm. right? Um, because that's that's part that's the main thing that you see, especially when it gets to the point where you you want to sell your business, you want to show the maximum profit, you want to show that the business is super profitable. So nine times out of ten, not nine times out of ten, but what you see sometimes is you'll see some accounting entries where it'll bump it up, whether it's recording less, not less expenses, but pushing expenses in different financial years. These well, things come up. Fr from an accounting journal, I'm going to keep it simple as well. Yep. You can inflate your sales and inflate your bank balance within one journal. Yeah. They coincide. So, you know, you can show whatever you want. You can show that you're sitting on, you know, $300,000 of cash in the bank when you couldn't have $3,000. And that's why it's so important to get those bank statements. That's exactly right. And then when you get some pushback, yeah, you start asking, okay, why? Yeah. Like it, it's a generic document. We're not here to you know steal information. There's no fraud going on. You can actually, what we say is like, you can actually print it out, highlight yeah. or, or black out with a marker, the information like account numbers, account details, who those payments are going to. Leave me the balance in the last four digits of the bank account code mm. and I'll be able to tell you if your if your balance sheet is more or less true and correct what yeah. are some of the other things we're looking at so you're looking at the asset values see if there's any assets that are attributed whether you know you're looking at potential when I say assets we're talking about not just sort of vehicles and, and trucks like that there's could be you know little assets as well whether it's computer systems whether it's stock that you will be taken over as well and you know if there is stock uh, a stock take is crucial during that due diligence as well. If it's if it's a business that you're you're buying that has, so that you're relying on those stock numbers for future sales as yep. well. Um, so you, the way I see is a, a due diligence is it's just a massive checklist. Mm. It's you getting a set of financials, and each line item at a time. You want an explanation. Yep. You know if your sales are call it a million dollars, but your wages is fifty thousand. My first question is who's doing the work to generate a million dollars? Because even a, an online seller that's just selling products, there's still labor involved, whether it's pick packing. And if it's not within the labor component, you want to see a separate line item for picking packing. So yeah. that's where that link comes along. And we're not saying that it's wrong, 
but we need an answer. Yeah. And there is a legitimate answer. So tell us. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's all due diligence is. It's a massive checklist of are we looking at the right thing? Yeah, for sure. And especially, again, with the pushback, you want to be requesting the accounting file and making sure you can see all the transactions and requesting ATO accounts. So is the balance sheet, which is a representation of all the assets and liabilities, does the ATO documents match what's on the balance sheet? If not, well, why? So again, well, I, I can tell you why they want more money for yeah. their business. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's don't save money on a due diligence. Yeah, right. It's so important. Do, that is not the area. You are better off getting a due diligence and dropping the purchase price down. Yeah. That is my biggest tip. Get someone that's done it before. Have someone work with you unless you're you know an expert and you've done it before and you've purchased you know tens of businesses mm. that have turned out to be successful then experience does work as well yeah but i wouldn't sting out on this this is not an area where where cost saving should be a factor because this could be the the detriment of a failing business like yep. i said the the house analogy was just it hit the nail on the head mm. you don't buy a house from the outside looking from the sidewalk Especially if you're going to be using your personal money or even if it's getting a bank loan, you're going to have to pay that back regardless. So yeah, business fail or not, if you're getting a loan yeah. against it, you've you got to pay it down. For sure. And that's why it's just so important to tick everything off as you're going and make sure you do all the checks before you sign on the dotted line. Because at the end of the day, end of the day, sorry, you're going to be paying that over five years. Or if you're taking it out of your mortgage, it could be 30 years or whatever the case may be. Even if it's not, even if you've got the cash, you're still paying for it. You want to make sure you're doing all of the checks. Yeah, It's a big decision to make. Massive. And you can't just rush into it emotionally. You know, you see clients like, oh, I want to do this. I can't wait to do this. And so let's, yeah. let's calm down. Calm your farm. Let's, let's make sure it is the right decision that you're making because there is no market to regulate business prices. Mm. It's not like there's an unlimited supply even like the the housing market there is a market that it follows within other sales within the area mm. i'm going to tell you now the business you're buying it does not have an identical brother or sister mm. that you can replicate and copy yeah because each business has its own assets its own liabilities it's been run a certain way has its own tricks has its own pros and has its own cons you can't follow someone else so it's hard to go my friend bought a business uh 300,000 that does the same thing. That's right. Because you're talking about area, other assets that are involved. Like there's just so many little things. There's, that no, co the there's no cookie cutter approach with that. So No, so that's why it's important to do your own independent as well, due diligence, because you don't want, you know, for example, your cousin to come in who might be an accountant as well to go in and he's going to, or his or her going to going to get a stake in the business. And that's their sort of incentive to, Mm. come on and do it and it's like well it's a biased approach yeah you want an independent emotion free advisor to to help you along the lines and it's so important on just on what you said there emotion because by getting a due diligence done and getting an opinion there's no emotion like when we're doing it it's no emotion for us but a lot of people when they go to purchase a business it's all emotion it's like super excited and you tend to turn a blind eye sometimes whereas when you're getting that independent um due diligence done there's none of that it's your base it's off numbers numbers zero files mild files financial statements and whatever other document request you have it's it's there it's not there's no emotion so it's really important to be able to segregate that when you're making a decision like this to purchase a business so crafty critter due diligence please do one if you need a hand reach out happy to help second question is 
bit more than side hustle. I have a side business that makes $50,000 per year that I don't take any income from as I'm in the 32.5% income bracket. My partner takes dividends from it as she's currently on maternity leave. Should I be claiming company expenses, example, food on business trips on my personal tax return to get a 34.5% reimbursement rather than paying from the company card? There's a few things to unpack here. Daniel, thoughts? Great job on earning $50,000 as a side hustle. Especially if that's profit as well. Yeah. So Jealous. From <laughs> Our side hustle's free. <laughs> um, in terms of income brackets and along those lines, if, if you want the best tax result, you should probably do a bit of tax planning with your advisor. Um, it's you know, a service that most accountants offer. Um, and a lot of the time, especially if you don't have like a proactive accountant, you can just ask for it. It's, a, it's very easy. It's, it's generally booked in pretty simply. Um, in terms of should you be claiming company expenses on my own personal tax return. I think you've answered it yourself there. Um, you can't just pick and choose expenses from different areas of income generation and apply them yeah. in any other box. At the end of the day, it looks like you do have a separate legal entity, meaning that those expenses are not yours. You are the director, you may be the shareholder. They are not yours. They are company expenses. and You cannot put them into your personal tax return um, regardless of the tax benefit if anything there's a whole reason as to why you shouldn't do it because it purely comes from a tax benefit and you're looking at division sort of four i'm pretty sure yeah um where you're, you're down the, the tax avoidance tax evasion component yes the amounts are probably immaterial and you will never go down that path with the ato but yeah, the mentality is there mm. right um also a big thing on this one as well it really does depend on what you're doing Mm. Like if you're a consultant and you're making 50 grand a year and you need to be going interstate um, to generate the income, it, it's a different story. Again, there are some nuances to it, but it's, it's a bit hard here if you're not traveling for work. If you're not traveling for work, no. Yeah, I'm not even talking about the expense, the, the food on business trips component. I'm just talking about company expenses, period, yeah. because I think any expense falls under the category without having to specify it. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it's you know, call it a, a completely legitimate above board, call it a software subscription that you need for the side business that has nothing to do with earning your your employment income, you still can't claim it. Yeah. Regardless of the other nuances, you know, put what the example is aside. Sorry, but no. Yeah, agreed. Um, alrighty. Last question from Heaps Handy. <laughs> Interesting name. Um, I am currently running a small handyman business and am struggling to expand. Do you have any tips? We have lots of tips. <laughs> <laughs> so from a marketing standpoint, um, I guess the good thing about net starting a business now is you've got so many options for marketing. I guess the downside to that is it's like, do you dip your hand in 10 different things? Do you pick one and run with it? What I would suggest is to pick one, give it a go and see if there's a return. So the easiest one for a handyman off the top of my head would be to go into 10, 20 real estate agents if they have a rent role and just introduce yourself. This is what I do. Maybe present, pre prepare a welcome pack. Um, just sit with them and walk them through some of the jobs that you've done before. That's an option. What if next question for you what if they're struggling to expand not from a lead generation component but from an running out of time component mm. right how would you recommend a handyman 
spread their um, spread their labour hours, right? So obviously hiring someone would be the obvious choice. But unfortunately, that's not that simple, right? Mm. A handyman service is reliant on someone being fantastic at what they do a lot of the time. Yep. What would be your recommendation to someone who's like, okay, I've booked up all my hours throughout the week and, I'm, and I want to expand, the leads keep coming in and I keep saying no to work. What would you recommend then? That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think focus on focusing, if it's just yourself, focus on processes because I know being a handyman, it can be difficult to get staff, but in order to go to that next level, there's no real other option. Um, you can either charge more, have less expenses, or you need to bring someone on. Before you do that and before you bring someone on, it's probably best to nail your processes from start to finish. So think about it when the lead comes in, what that process is. And then from that from that phone call, booking the job, having some type of system in place so you're minimizing your admin time. Um, maybe even having a, a, a VA, a virtual assistant to help with that stuff, whether it's to help with the marketing or or leads or or just to get more time back. So you're, you're doing just, I guess in this case, you're going to be doing the actual work. So if you can maximize that, um, maybe a VA can help. But I think it's going to get to a point where you have to have someone else and you're going to have to hire someone else. So in order to do that, you're going to have to have capital because you're going to probably need another ute. You're going to need to fit that ute out with the tools. Um, if you're going to get it wrapped with the appropriate stickers or whatever it may be. So it's probably really important to to have some capital put aside so you can purchase that vehicle, that second vehicle, and have a couple of months worth of wages put aside for this new person you're going to bring on. So that way, if the, if the leads keep coming in and the, the marketing's working, then you can bring someone on and you're good to go. There's no stresses of oh, how am I going to pay this person's wages? So I think it's really important to have um, capital on hand, which is we've spoken about a few times. Um, and yeah, and I just think run with, run with one type of marketing, try it. If it doesn't work, okay, pivot, try something else. So yeah, I'm, uh, I might sort of add a little tip here as well. If you're running a small, if you're running any small business, double down on your foundations, mm. double down on them, understand them, and don't just follow the leads and do the work for the sake of doing it and just getting it out because that's where you're going to st- stuck, get more or less stuck with the expanding mm. component is because you'll fall under the the banner of only I can do this. Yeah, I can't trust anyone to do this. And a lot of the time you can't trust anyone to do it is because you haven't really set your foundations in place to let someone know how to do it. Mm. And in order to expand, you have to let go of things. That's the fun part. Yeah. Fun, stressful, anxious, all the above. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's almost like a timeline yeah. of, of, of emotions. At the start, it's that stress and anxiety of, oh my God, is it going to work? Yeah. Then it turns into, is it being done, period. Yeah. And then once you realise it is being done, it is very, very fun. Yeah, and you go, why didn't I do this sooner? So, awesome. That's some really good questions. So, Crafty Critter, looking to buy a paper craft business strongly suggest doing or getting a due diligence done a um, bit more than a side hustle strongly recommend to reach out to an accountant or an advisor to just run through that situation a bit yeah i, th- I think i think you're potentially lacking on a little bit of strategy with your mm. tax component so maybe a, a, a tax planning session is exactly what you need to more or less maximize what you're getting out of the out of the side hustle mm. and heaps ha- heaps handy um running the handyman business and you're struggling to expand, make sure you've got the capital on hand. Don't be scared to hire someone. And again, just double in different types of marketing. Pick one, run with it. If that doesn't work, don't be afraid to pivot. Um, if anyone's got any questions, 
please don't hesitate to send them through. It'll be in the podcast link, po- podcast play link below. Send them through and um, we'll get to them for sure. Daniel? Yeah, this is our favourite part, guys. So we love questions. Send them through. Even if you've sent questions previously. Send, yep, keep sending Go them. again. Awesome. Daniel, thank you, sir. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Before you go, I wanted to share some things with you. Specifically, I wanted to tell you about the 10 ways that Rask could help you in 2024. As many of you know, Rask has grown to become one of the biggest investing and finance platforms in Australia. Across our podcasts, our websites, our memberships, and so on, we now engage around 200,000 Aussies. Which, considering we started in a humble lounge room on a Kmart desk, one of those old fake white wooden ones, I'm pretty ecstatic about where we are six years later. As part of becoming one of Australia's biggest platforms for wealth creation and preservation, we now have a very special position in the country in that we can bring you some of the best, most thoughtful, expert-driven ways to protect and grow your wealth. And I'm going to share some of those with you now. I've got 10 ways that we can potentially help you or match you with someone who can. The first thing that I want to tell you about is the biggest step we've ever taken at Rask, which is the launch of our Rask Invest platform. This is a platform that lets our team, led by me, invest for you, primarily through low-cost, diversified ETFs. We'll have three strategies at launch, And every investor who comes through can pick one of the three strategies being a balanced strategy, a growth strategy, and a high growth strategy. The balanced strategy focuses on passive income and the high growth strategy focuses on longer term compounding. You will find a link in your podcast player to register your interest. We will be taking off soon. Number two, if you prefer to DIY your investing, you can join me and over 4,000 members inside Rascore. That's our full ETF and ASX share research membership community. You can join now and you'll get updated ETF portfolio recommendations every quarter, as well as ongoing ASX and global stock research. Every single month, we call them the all-star stocks. You get that alongside the ETF portfolios as well as other members-only content. It's called Rascore. Number three, our first ever partnership with a business other than our own was a business by the name of Blusk, which has since become Flint Group. Flint Group is led by Chris Bates and Christian Stevens, two of Australia's most highly regarded mortgage brokers. Already over 200 Rask community members have begun the Rask plus Flint Group mortgage broking process. You can click the link in your podcast player if you're refinancing, investing, a first home buyer, or whatever. You've probably heard Chris on the show many times. Number four, you can connect with our most trusted financial advisors. Whether you're 25 years old, just graduated uni, and looking to set yourself up, 
or approaching or in retirement and you've got that nest egg you want to protect and generate a passive income from, you can get in contact with our trusted panel of financial advisors. You can find the link in your podcast player. It's there each and every week. Just click the thing that says financial planning. Number five, if you want specialist insurance advice, as Warren Buffett said, rule number one is don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Insurance is vitally important, especially when it comes to your number one asset, you. Whether you're a single income household or a couple and you just want to protect what would happen if. You want to protect your family if something goes wrong. You want to protect your spouse if you lose your job. You want to protect yourself if you hurt yourself on the weekend at footy. Insurance is a way to do that. And I think the best way to do insurance is through a financial planner. And there's a few reasons for that. But one of them is sometimes some insurers will only work with financial advisors, but they can also be your companion as you go through the sometimes daunting process of getting insurance done properly. Sometimes you might not even know, but you're not even covered, even though you think you are. So get the right advice. You'll find a link in the show notes to check that out. Number six, buying property. If you're like me and you're thinking of buying property in the next 12 months, or maybe you've already invested and you're looking to downsize, getting the right advice and being able to build wealth through property is a proven strategy. It might be one of the most contentious, but I think that we have one of Australia's best property coaches in our ranks. That is Pete Wargent. Pete is the host of the now super popular Australian property podcast by Rask, and he's also my analyst team's macro consultant. So if you're a member of Rascor, you will have seen Pete's name around the traps. He's a property coach and buyer's agent, and he works with a select number of people each and every year. Just a note on this. This is not a commercial thing with Pete. Pete just has great services, so we offer them to the community. And when he fills up, he fills up. You can find out more about Pete's coaching in the show notes. Next up, tracking your portfolio for tax. I think you are because I think you have to. So we've partnered with Nevexa to help you manage your share and ETF reporting, whether it's tax or performance. All Rask users get 20% off an annual plan with Nevexa. You can sync your portfolio with Nevexa's software and it automatically tracks your dividends, your capital gains tax, and more. Again, not a commercial partnership. We don't make anything from working with Nevexa, but they do create some great tools which the Rask community uses each and every day. Number eight, want to run your own business? Maybe you already do. If you want more profit, but less stress, less time consumed, and less energy lost, get in contact. We have a partner business called Inflection. The Inflection Accelerator Program is a complete online course that helps you and a community of members engage and follow a proven strategy for growing your business. I'm grateful to be one of the coaches inside the Accelerator program, helping business owners right across Australia. You can find more following the link in your podcast player. It's the one that says coaching. Number nine, if you haven't already checked it out, join over 20,000 other people who tune into the Rask YouTube channel. It is completely free and you get notified when we go live and when we publish podcast episodes. There is a podcast on the Rask network each and every day, as well as bite-sized material that's less than 60 seconds or those really punchy tutorials and webinars that are just 15 minutes that take you through a really exciting topic, whether it's how to buy a property, whether it's how to pick a dividend ETF. Some of our most popular content actually just explains things like 
what the heck is franking credits and how do I calculate if I've got some? That's on our YouTube channel. Number 10, if you want to be a better investor, a saver, a better partner with money, or just understand your own relationship with money, you can do that, all of that, by going to the Rask Education website and taking a free course. We've enrolled over 26,000 students at the time of this recording, and we are on a mission to get to 100,000 in the next few years. Rask Education is our mostly free education platform covering everything from budgeting and automation to the probably, I would say, the best value investing program in the country. So whether you're a value investor, an intermediate investor, you want to know how to value Woolworth shares, or you simply just want to understand what ethical investing is or buy your first property and what actually happens on settlement day, head to the Rask Education website and enroll in something today. It is free and it supports us because then I can come on here next month and I can say we've got 27,000 and hopefully we reach critical mass where we can help more Australians manage their money better. Thank you for listening to this long-winded ad. If you want to get in contact with me, you know where to go. There's a link in your show notes. Basically, these 10 services, even though some of them we don't make any money from, support RASC and allow us to produce these podcasts, attract the biggest and best guests from Australia and around the world and bring them to you to answer your questions. Thank you for being part of the RAS network and thank you for your ongoing support. Bye for now.